Hey everyone, welcome back into the Level Up Experience. This is episode number 36. My guest today is Ned Lerner, the CEO at Hero Live. Ned is an innovator in new media platforms. He wrote EA's first hit 3D game, founded Multitude, the startup behind Fire Team, which was the first MOBA, and Fire Talk, which is the Skype precursor. He worked on John Madden Football and The Sims as the CTO. At Sony, he was director of engineering on the PS4, working on projects including the LLVM, Playgo, Scream, BRB, ATF, and DTE. We're going to discuss his career in the gaming industry, why Hero.Live will change the way viewers experience media, and we answer live questions. This was a previously recorded LinkedIn and YouTube live stream. You can connect with me on LinkedIn at Chris Reed, C-R-I-S-R-E-E-D. And make sure to subscribe to Level Up Experience on YouTube. Links will be in the, in the description. Thank you to everyone who's left a five-star rating and review. Really does mean a lot. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Uh, I am going to give Ned a couple minutes to introduce himself, and then we're going to dive right into it. Hey, great. Um, not quite sure where to start. I've been doing this since college, making games. Um, I joined up with EA when there were about 70 people a couple of years before the IPO and uh, had the good fortune of working with some terrific people and making of this game called Chuck Yeager's Advanced Flight Trainer, which was their number one hit of the year of their IPO. So uh, take a little bit of credit for that and had a good time. Um, and then I met up with my college roommate, Paul, and we created a company called Looking Glass Technologies, which started doing texture mapping games before anybody else. Uh, Chris mentioned System Shock and Ultimate Underworld and Flight Unlimited. They're all really cool games. And the alumni of Looking Glass have spread out <laughs> through through the world. Uh, Valve and uh, yeah, Naughty Dog and uh, Microsoft everywhere, me at Sony. So that's that was awesome. Uh, and then I came back uh, to California in 96 to do what this, I think, called internet gaming, which was kind of hadn't much been done before. And we did a game called Fire Team, which was in some ways the first MOBA teams of four competing to capture each other's base uh, all real time. And again, this is now 1997. So most of our users were still on modems, if people know what that word even is. <laughs> so a little bit too, too far ahead of our time, League of Legends came out. 10 years after that, uh, wow. and then um, that actually changed from, so Fire Team came with a voice headset in the box, and uh, so we could do team coordination, and we actually just, we pivoted from Fire Team to Fire Talk, which was, uh, as Chris said, it was a Skype, Skype-alike, three, four years before Skype, uh, so instead of shooting your friends, uh, you could just talk to your friends, and that became a kind of internet dot one sensation. Um, raised $50 million and spent it. Thank you, my ex very expensive MBA. Uh, and then I joined um, Electronic Arts as a CTO of Maxis, worked on The Sims, which was uh, my first corporate job. And <laughs> going from startups to The Sims was quite a, quite a experience, learning experience, thank you, that leveling up experience even. And then uh, last 13 years at Sony, PlayStation, last five working on the PlayStation, uh, PlayStation 4, which was again, just, a, a complete blast and amazing. So, and here I'm doing another one called uh, Hero.Live. So that's that's 40 years in one minute, two minutes. Good timing. I, I appreciate that. I want to start here, actually, because you mentioned kind of a, the, the startup life versus the corporate life. And I'd like to kind of get kind of your um, just overall meta on that. 
yeah. um, you know, what the difference is. Cause there's a lot of startups, a lot of startup founders that watch this uh, and, and people on the corporate side too. So I think some of us have been on both sides, some just on one, but you've done both. So yeah, they're really different. Uh, I, you know, I started off as a kid doing my own games and that seemed very easy to me. And then when I jumped into corporate life, that seemed super hard. And then after a few years, I realized, you know, it's a pretty good life. You get a paycheck and you don't have to worry <laughs> about going broke and you get uh, benefits and they tell you what to do. So you don't have to think that much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, and you get to work with structure, but structure, and, structure. Yeah. And, and yeah, and actually they teach you a lot of stuff because there's all these systems and smart people and experts. So it's like, oh, I don't have to figure it out myself. I go to the director of PR who's been doing it for 10 years. And, oh, uh, here's a finance guy who's been doing it for 10 years and here's how to do all the analysis and all the planning. And so I really, I think you're really blessed if you can see both sides there uh, for the entrepreneur, you can learn a lot from the structure and expertise of a big company. And then from the point of view of a big company, just having to do everything yourself is just an eye opening experience. So they're, I think they help, but uh, yeah, they're, they're, I, I I don't know how many people want to try both things, but they're very different, and I think in some ways very complimentary. So, now you were with PlayStation. It was so I'm sorry, with Sony um, for about 14 years, like 03 to yeah. 2017, roughly. Yeah. Uh, overall experience there, uh, great people. Uh, when I started, it was run by a guy called J Jack Trenton, who was just a nice, family-friendly guy. Company had been making good money. It was just a really kind, kind and family-oriented place. Doing. Uh, and it was one of the few places I've worked that everyone liked PlayStation. Everyone believed in PlayStation, which is, I think, a real blessing. Um, not, a, not a lot of corporate jobs have that sort of happy spirit. Uh, and then we, I started kind of at the first peak of PlayStation, like PlayStation 2 era. And then PlayStation 3 was kind of a disaster. Um, production problems, cost problems, really, really difficult technology problems. And so basically the next seven, eight years were digging, uh, digging out of the hole. Um, probably for time, the, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for time reference for PS3, what was the time reference for the audience? May not know. Uh, oh my gosh. I would guess roughly 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this, you know, now famous Mark Cerny kind of was the, the Steve Jobs of, of Sony going in and saying, I'm going to kick butt and take names and we're going to fix everything. And he brought, uh, he brought his team along. He brought me along and a whole bunch of people kind of basically changed Sony. So uh, including moving the headquarters of PlayStation from Tokyo to, to San Mateo, California, which is really strange for a big Japanese company to have headquarters in San Mateo. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, changed everything. Yeah, look, just real quick, I had another question on it, like the structural changes. So what happened between PS3 and PS4? And then how, how did those changes lead to that success? Uh, so uh, Ken Kutaragi had been leading the PlayStation from day one. Uh, he was a bold, brash Japanese entrepreneur. PlayStation 1 was a giant hit. PlayStation 2 was a giant hit. And PlayStation 3, he got a little too excited, shall we say? <laughs> and uh, just, you know, who wants it? Who wants an $800 game machine um, that's really hard to program? So not only did it annoy consumers, but drove game developers crazy. Um, and to Sony's credit, they you know stuck in and lost three, four billion dollars the first two or three years, and then they made it up the next four or five years. So a lot of companies wouldn't have that dedication. But after that disaster, 
a lot of the senior people uh, in PlayStation got <laughs> jobs changed. We'll go, we'll, 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 it's a starting, it's a, it's a Japanese company, so people don't generally get fired; they just get sort of re reorganized. And then a whole new team of people came in. Um, again, Mark Cerny was like technical lead, but there was new, yeah, new marketing folks, new sales folks, and uh, basically the. The short version is PlayStation 3 was a very Japanese custom machine, mm-hmm. and the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox and all future consoles are now basically white box PCs with really, really nice graphics cards, really nice hard disks, standard operating system. So it was a complete change of design from custom game machine to uh, it's basically a super laptop with a super graphics card. And so that was a yeah total, yeah, it was fun as a technology person just to help that that complete flip over happened. So yeah. And that change and that dynamic, cause you right. talked about that, 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 that change from uh, transitioning from the PS3 to PS4 and just over a complete overhaul. We've talked right. about that off air too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's yeah. Really so interesting. just a, like, for example, inside the PS4 is free BSD, which for a Japanese company is crazy, crazy talk, <laughs> open source operating system. What? Uh, but free BSD is fantastic. I mean, it's mm-hmm. 20 years of testing, incredibly secure, so uh, that was one of the projects uh, my, my group worked on. So I'm particularly proud of it. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Cause I think it's really good to know people's background, where they're coming from mm-hmm. uh, and then how that kind of shapes what they're doing now. So fast forwarding to the end of right around 2017 made a transition. So what made you want to come back to the startup life? Like, you know, what is hero life? What's this concept? Um, and uh, uh-huh. you want to- I'm uh, laughing because the real answer is I asked my wife permission to do another startup because well, that's, first. that's always first yeah uh before that she said i'll divorce you if you do another startup <laughs> but uh thankfully my 14 years at sony were um financially rewarding and she mm-hmm. gave me permission to try again so that's the real reason I, I, i'm always looking for the next thing the playstation 4 was an awesome project and then when it shipped it got kind of quiet uh, i was like hey this works can you do the same thing again and again and again and after about three years of that it's like Hmm. Got to do something new. <laughs> so um, uh, I, I think I made. So we looked. You know, it's like okay, mobile's hot. Snapchat back then was hot. It's like let's let's do something kind of inspired by Snapchat, but cool, but cooler. And right. it took. Uh, so I quit my job. Took a while to actually figure out what the hell I was doing. But um, at one point, we realized that hey. There's these. There's four billion phones. They're awesome at talking and they're awesome at playing videos. Why don't? Why can't we do them both at the same time? It's like, mm-hmm. hmm. And then, uh, then I think the real, the genius idea struck, which is instead of sticking everybody into one room like everybody else, why don't we st- give each group of friends their own private box, like at a stadium, and then you can talk to your friends and watch. And if we're clever. If there's a thousand groups of friends, that's like having like a thousand sections at a stadium. So then you can hear the cheers too. And I was like, ah, yeah, that that sounds really good. Let's build that. And that's been the last three years, basically. Okay, and then so talk about again for those that may not know, but most know about the experience with you know if you're watching an event right now, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's esports, traditional sports, or another media source, uh, you know, what is what is the concept between you know watching together? What and then how is that different from um, like the traditional way of consuming media right now? Um, uh, let's see, in some ways it's uh, the usual analogy we have is watching on a couch. Mm-hmm. So when you, you invite your friends over to watch basketball or baseball or whatever, you, you're, you're looking at the screen and you're t- 
talking to each other and occasionally you might be yelling at the TV. <laughs> and we wanted, to, we wanted to duplicate that experience. So when you're watching a, a game, you're not staring into your friend's you know, nose, you're staring at the TV set. And, uh, but you can hear your friends. And so it's a very, um, oh, word. It's, it's not that different from going to a dark theater. It's like your attention and eyes are all on the stage, but you can whisper to the people to the left and right. Um, so that's, that's, that's the hero design. It's again, like a private box at a theater or a private box at a stadium. You're, you've got um, you know, per, nice broadcast quality video, full screen, no kind of noise or clutter between you and what you're watching, but you can still talk all you want to your buddies, you can invite your buddies to your box, and then you can hear the outside crowd too um, by playing with the crowd volume. If you wanna hear the crowd, great. If you wanna turn off the crowd, that's fine too. So uh, it's a, it's, yeah, in my mind that, that that dark theater experience is usually people's favorite way to watch and we can, you can now do that um, from your phone instead of having to drive to the, the now closed movie theater. The other interesting concept too is so you talked about kind of uh, live media, so live sports, uh, traditional sports, esports, or other media, but also there, there's the VOD component, so this rec the recorded uh, right. component as well. Um, so, like for example, the first time I I, I was a part of uh, jumping on Hero Live, uh, I got my brother, so I opened up my own box, opened up my app, and I sent him the link to jump into to my group. And we watched old VODs, uh, Mango, if you guys watch you know, any Smashers, any Smashers out there. Uh, we watched old VOD with, with Mango. And it was, this was like a midnight. And we sat there and talked and, you know, just we just kind of, we hung out together. Yeah. And it we, really, we yeah. watched the VOD and it just, and it, after an hour, like we've been here for an hour. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's I, kind of uncanny. It really feels like you're watching on a couch and in a dark room. I That's what I was. I, I was on a couch in a dark room. <laughs> but it's good, it's good. And uh, I don't know, like if people have used Zoom, after about 20 minutes, Zoom starts to drive me crazy because of all these like windows and glitches and some people are on the screen. I don't know, it's just just hard. Uh, mm -hmm. Just uh, all the distractions. So the dark room, uh, it works great to actually, yeah, it's kind of a cute, a marvel, a technical marvel. Thank you, thank you, myself. <laughs> the other, the other, like frame around the other frame around this is like it feels like it's 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 um it's you're having to pull from different sources to have that kind of feel. So like take right. here live out of it. You if you're wanting to be on a Discord watch party to have the audio component on top of a Twitch live stream, it's like piecemealing multiple platforms together to create that experience. Like in the past, it's what you could do. So you could be right. on the discord audio and then there's your audio component, but then you got to have a Twitch stream up or a YouTube stream up yeah. uh, to have the, 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 uh, the visual side. So is that kind of putting all those together? Yeah. Putting it all together just kind of makes it not only simpler, but it actually, um, in terms of the tech, it makes things work better. Mm -hmm. So by putting them all together, you get, you can do like really good echo cancellation, which otherwise <laughs> is, is a real problem. If, if you've ever tried to like, you know, use use one program to to talk and another program to watch, that the microphone can get confused. Uh, it also makes it pretty easy to synchronize. Um, and then maybe from the point of view of the entrepreneurial side, the the people who own the media really want to own the audience too. And so by putting everybody into their room and their theater and their stadium, then they have this uh, direct connection with the audience where right now, you know, 
your audience might be on the other side of the TV set and you don't know who's watching, where they're watching. You have no way of doing anything with them. Whereas they're all in your virtual venue mm -hmm. and you have, uh, you have control over that experience and you, you literally own your customers, which, uh, is certainly a win. And that's one of the, if you look at sports, you see a good chunk of their revenue, even something like 50% is from that in-venue audience, even though it may only represent 1% of the total audience, it's just so much more um, powerful and monetizable. And so the virtual venue is you know, a much better business for the media and rights holders than uh, a simple you know, passive audience. So that's kind of where it all starts to fit together. Okay, so you mentioned yeah, you mentioned business model. I think it's a good pivot. So is it B two B, B two C, B two B two C? Like yeah, yeah. Uh, we we say B two B two C. The analogy is we make theaters, we make we make stadiums, uh, <laughs> and for normal people, we make living rooms. <laughs> living rooms are free, but everything else costs <laughs> money. And um, yeah, and who who needs a theater or stadium? Well, sports teams need stadiums, theaters. Uh, you know, movies, movie people needs theaters, virtual classrooms, actually, I think might be our bus biggest business eventually, just because I was going to ask you about ed tech. Yeah, is that, is yeah. that part of the roadmap? Potentially? Yeah. Okay. So if you look at the numbers, um, business events are about a billion, tr sorry, a trillion dollar a year business, a lot of business events, mm -hmm. uh, media entertainment is 2 trillion, but education is 6 trillion, which just reflects the fact that most people are in a classroom between the age of like six and 21. <laughs> so it's like, it's a really, really big business. And um, and our, our technology is the first that lets the entire class participate and talk as if they're in the room. Uh, all the other technologies mute the students, which creates a very unnatural interaction between the students and the teachers. But even worse, my experience learning is I learned a lot from my fellow students in study groups or, uh, you know, not necessarily in the classroom, but uh, sometimes in labs and in tables. And so we're the only system that'll let the students hang out and talk in class or in study groups, you know, as part of the educational process. So we're really excited about that market. And <laughs> we've been spending the last three years putting the pieces together. So it's, getting really close now. Gotcha. So that's so obviously that's a work in progress with that, but that's that's an interesting layer to the ed tech side. Uh, so I guess the progression we talked off here about this as well, but so initially it seemed like to me it started kind of uh, in the YouTube world, the Twitch world, the streaming world, like maybe right. the sports side, and then the progression to traditional media, so sports, and then sounds like to ed tech. So combining right. all those together. Uh, well, yes, uh, it's. I hope we're not in over our heads, but uh, yeah, exactly your progression. It's like um, the team is very game oriented. And so we said, hey, esports needs a live audience, period. Let's build it. Uh, and then at some point, we ran into some other smart person who showed us how to hook up to ESPN and Turner and Fox Sports. Mm -hmm. And that should be coming out next month. And that's pretty awesome to be able to watch your favorite TV shows with your friends. And then, and now we're, as we're going out and meeting people and talking to people, the educators are saying, this is so much better than Zoom. Can you do something for me? And it's like, hmm. um, after Series A, we promised <laughs> we'll get right. there. Progression, so, progression, yeah. yeah. So what's, yeah. The what's the difference between this and like a Netflix party? Um, so 
Netflix Party does one thing well, which is it synchronizes Netflixes. So it makes it, I don't know if people, uh, before that people used to like say, one, two, three, go. <laughs> and then they would watch together and you tend to sort of drift apart uh, over time or because somebody paused or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it so the synchronization so the way people used to do it is they used to manually synchronize plus use you know Skype or FaceTime or Discord to talk. Right, the um, lay the layering we talked about earlier. Right now yeah. again, and then you're going to get synchronization problems and echo cancellation problems. So so, so at least uh, Netflix Party solves the synchronization problems, but it only works on desktop Chrome as a Chrome extension. So everybody in the party has to have has to want to watch Netflix on their laptop in Chrome with a Chrome extension, which is like, you know, I'm glad that millions of people are doing it, but it's, that's clearly not the whole world. Um, whereas Hero is um, our Netflix version, we're hoping starts showing up in a week or two on Android. Mm -hmm. and, it, and over by the, I'd say by the end of the summer, you'll be able to watch Netflix with your friends on any phone or any desktop um, in a mixed group with voice, with echo cancellation and all that. So we're, we think Netflix party is like step, like half a step and we're like, we're the full step. So that's going to be a huge deal for our company. And it comes down to the word access. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Working with, you know, a number of tech startups, it comes who's, who can access your tech in right. the end. Right. So I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. And particular, and with parties and friends groups, it's really annoying if, two of your friends can get it and one of your friends can't, it's like, that just doesn't work. So uh, when, when you're talking about, yeah, groups of friends, you gotta, you gotta cover the bases. You gotta have, if I wanna watch it on PC, I gotta, I gotta be able to watch it on PC. And if I, I wanna watch it on Android, I gotta be able to watch it on Android. So we'll be the only game in town that'll let you watch on mobile or PC. So I'm pretty excited about that. Very interesting. Um... I've got a number of other questions, but if, if you have a question on LinkedIn, if you're on YouTube, go ahead and type in your question at any time, and we'll be happy to get to those um, as we go through the interview. And, and now, again, we have Ned Lerner, CEO at Hero Live. Um, I just had, I had a real quick question. Uh, this is this is kind of a hard shift a little bit, but um, advice for tech startup founders that. Mm -hmm. That maybe have their first first startup. I know that you know there's a lot of um, you know, potentially people in the esports space. I've talked to a lot of people. Um, just a lot of ideas, a lot of concepts out there. But right. how, how do you get traction? Like, what are some things? <laughs> I don't know what a question, but easy, easy, no problem. Just you follow my magic rules, and you too will have a million users. Uh, no, I know. I I I got to write. When I figure it out, I promise I'll I'll write it up for everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Startups are really hard, and so when, if you're doing a startup, be prepared for like a the battle of your life. Um, mm. You'll probably pretty. I think it's very likely you'll learn more in your first year of a startup than your last five years of your job, but it doesn't guarantee you'll make any money. Um, so if with a little bit of luck, you'll you'll hit on something that uh, that makes money early and not later. And the longer it is between starting and making money, the Hopefully, you have some rich friends <laughs> to help you out. If not, you may not make it to that that second point. So, um, so yeah, the quicker you can get to traction, ideally money, but possibly just like big numbers, the better. And um, I, I don't, I don't think there's any easy path. the The problem, my, I, I've been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. In my mind, it's actually harder. It's not. It's easier to start a startup now than ever before because you can like rent stuff from Amazon and you can hire people across the world with these contracting services, 
and there's these amazing platforms which you can distribute to the world in you know a day. That's all makes it easy. And the, yeah, yeah, and Carta for your cap tables yeah. and all those. Yeah, mm -hmm. but because of that, it's actually harder to succeed because uh, I, I haven't seen a number, but it feels to me like I'm competing against, if not ten times more startups, mm -hmm. but maybe a hundred times more startups. So. Uh, and I, I, I run into people with very nice ideas and I say, how much homework have you done? Is there anything else like this? And they're like, no, there isn't. <laughs> and I, I'm sometimes since I, if it's in my space, it's like, well, actually I've been doing my homework for three years and there's four things exactly like you. So go, go do some more homework. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm glad you said that because that is one of the things I hear a lot of the conversations from founders is that no one competes with us. And in the back of my, it's the same thing. I said, yes, they do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you get, yeah. That's one of the more universal things you get. It's like, yeah. oh, we're the only one, the only one that does this. We're unique. No, you're not. And and yeah. and not to be condescending. I'm not trying to be, but it's just, right. it, it just, it is what it is, right? Well, and it, yeah. You know. Well, for, like I said, I, I spent, well, I did. I spent the first two years of my uh, startup when I was still at Sony essentially doing research and homework and, and, uh, and experiments and trying things out. And it, and I thought it would take me six months to figure out something outside of doing PlayStation for 13 years. And the reality is it took me two years to, to, to sort of really get a handle on, on the, the market. And it's not even just a local market, it's a global market. So, uh, thank Yeah. If you're not paying attention in, if you're in the mobile space and you're not paying attention to Asia, you are missing most of it, not, not some of it. So, um, yeah, um, so that that's that's one possible trick, which is do your homework while somebody else is paying you, like I did, and then when the pieces have all settled down and you've found your team and you've got some investors ready to go, then you can jump in. Um, otherwise, you're gonna, yeah, it just makes it harder. So speaking of investors, and going back to to Hero for a second, so there was a funding round back in March as well. Uh, so obviously, congratulations to the team on that. Uh, talk about that that experience of you know raising raising funds and kind of that that experience, and obviously not just with Hero, but in the past as well. Uh, raising money, the bane of the the the. <laughs> so one thing to realize if if mm -hmm. there's one main job as CEO, it's you are the running money raiser. Nobody else can do it for you, and you may run into people who say, "Hey, I can help you raise money." Well, maybe they can. A little bit. <laughs> you just if you can't raise the money, you're in trouble. So, um, uh, which means either do something that's small enough that you can do it without a lot of money, or, or if you want to be more ambitious, you know, make sh make sure that you can you can raise the money. Um, for me, I think I have the made the same. I don't know if it's a mistake, uh, but the same behavior as all other entrepreneurs, which is. I could do this in six months for a half million dollars. Three years later, and two million dollars later, it's like, oh, I'm, did I say half a million? I meant five million. <laughs> so, uh, not yeah. the team, yeah, accelerate, trying to accelerate, doing not the team, things like that. Yeah. And, and to be a little bit more uh, self-congratulatory, actually, the first when we started, I said, you know, I think this is going to be a five million dollar project, and then everyone I talked to said, like, oh, that's too much. You can't do that. It's like, okay, well, mm -hmm. uh, let's. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm foolish. Sure. Let's do it for a 10th the price. Um, but, uh, yeah, so for me, I'm not in the, you know, I've been living in Silicon Valley for 30 years and, uh, Silicon Valley has got a lot of wealthy people, but more relevant to my life. Uh, I would say 
you know, I got a lot of smart friends and like one out of 20 of them made a good pot of dough. So, and one out of five of those, one out of 20 are willing to let me play with some of it. So that's, that was my shortcut. The, the one thing I will recommend is a program like 500 Startups, which we went into. It was highly recommended to us. It was a really good program. Um, it's almost there's it's almost expected that you will be part of an accelerator at this point. If you're not, you're gonna. Well, again, it depends on who you are and your experience. But if you have not done a tech startup or a venture funded tech startup, if I would definitely I would definitely recommend the accelerator route. Um, they they know their stuff. Yeah, the imagery I guess maybe um, is train tracks. It kind of gives you the train track, and you're the train. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the yeah. way, you know, the imagery I kind of tell people on accelerators. So, yeah. uh, and it's, it's really also interesting that over the years, how, how many accelerators there are now. Yeah. Compared to 2014. So there's a lot of opportunity there to kind of yeah. you know, get your air quote, you know, your, your own train tracks kind of guide you. If yeah. you're you, so. yeah. I mean, yeah. And for me, I did it the old fashioned way, which means I spent like 10 years figuring it out. Accelerator does a pretty good job of speeding speeding up that process so and, and uh, it's hard it's pretty hard to get into a good accelerator so that's if you get in great if not um uh i, I mean you know like i said if you're really an entrepreneur you'll figure it out uh, right. i don't want to be too positive or negative i mean uh, my general recommendation is if you know if you if you if you think your life will be miserable for the next 10 years if you don't do it then go do it um and your life won't be miserable for more than two or three years sorry sorry for the bad joke <laughs> no, sorry. No, but the regret. Yeah, sure. no it's like the, it's, a, it's a pain of regret yeah exactly you have to you have to really really want it it's it's a long and difficult road so what's what's next for hero what's next for hero live over the next couple of months to give a little uh right uh so i i think like there's always three pillars. There's investors, the business partners, and the consumers. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of investment, we are uh, in the midst of a Republic, Republic crowdfunding campaign, which is going mm -hmm. pretty well. Uh, we've raised a half million. Republic folks have been great to work with. I, they're difficult to get into, like these accelerators, but if you can get in, it's a win. I have no regrets. Uh, maybe a little bit more interesting, when I've talked to venture capitalists, they're pretty down on equity crowdfunding. Sure. But uh, I think they they think the cool people go to VCs, and I think they're right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but not everybody has a VC buddy who can write them a check for five million dollars. Um, and and then at some level, the crowd, equity crowdfunding people compete against the VCs. Uh, they they'll, they um, yeah they're both in the same business, and so that they, I think there's a little bit of rivalry. I'll call it there. Um, sure. Yeah, and that I think it was 2016 for Regulation CF. Is, right. is when those platforms started really popping up. Uh, and Republic is, is probably one of the, the best platforms out there. Yeah, I think they're good. Uh, yeah, Chuck Petit, who runs it, is very smart. Uh, they bought Fig, which is a great uh, game crowdfunding thing. And mm. we've been blessed by being the, I think we're the only co-listed <laughs> company because we're of our kind of start and dedica you know, dedication to esports. Um, mm. So yeah, good, good stuff. Um, it's yeah that's so uh, in terms of um the features and consumer side we've been we're eager for sports to begin we were going to go out with march madness with our tv integration and mm -hmm. uh didn't happen 
But um, basketball is supposedly showing up July 30th, and baseball is showing up July 24th. And we are working hard to be ready on day one for both of those. So uh, you'll be able to go to Hero and watch uh, the nationally televised baseball games with your friends on Hero. You'll need a, a cable TV account, like a Comcast or AT&T, uh, to do that. Um, so, but sports aren't free, so sorry. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we, we can only let you watch with your friends. We're, we're not gonna give you free sports. That's, that's called piracy. Um, and then, uh, and then Netflix supports, we're hoping, is ready for testing uh, next week on Android. So that's, it's going to be a big, a big uh, summer. Uh, and then, I don't know, I'll, I'll, we're also, <laughs> to talk a little bit too much, we've also, the, the giant crowd effect, the crowd noise thing, is going yes. to come alongside, hopefully, uh, for, in time for the first, for opening day, but if not, by August, you'll be able to cheer with 500, 1,000, couple thousand other people, which even I, I think it sounds cool. Uh, it works in real life. I really think it'll work virtually, but we'll find out. So uh, wish me luck. <laughs> and, and since you're so entrenched in all of this, obviously day to day, um, how are consumer um, viewership, how's that gonna change, like the behavior around viewership? How's that gonna change? I mean, because obviously this is what, what the team does day in and day out uh, through the pandemic and things like that. So even, no, we're not post pandemic yet, I guess. I don't even know, it's post, during, whatever you wanna call it. It's, pandemic fatigue is where we are right now. How does that change uh, the behavior? Um, well, uh, in terms of sports, people are really sad. Maybe a simple word that they can't. There's no sports, and even if and the sports that exist, they can't attend. And mm -hmm. that that sadness, I think, will be in some ways emphasized when they see basketball and baseball without a crowd. Um, I've seen that Electronic Arts is cutting some deals with the sports leagues to use the sports this audio simulation from their sports games to sort of replace the crowd uh i it'll be again we're, we'll be able to give people a live crowd i'm pretty hopeful that'll be cool electronic arts will be able to give them a fake crowd i don't know maybe that'll be cool too <laughs> we'll find out uh is it to elicit emotion with the crowd yeah yeah the, the the analogy i've been giving it's like going to a practice game uh, it's or even simpler. If you ever watch sports with the TV turned off, it's just something. It's just part of our. I think deep in our human nature is a is a need to gather with our fellow man and women and mm -hmm. and participate in something with 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 passion and an intensity. Uh, it's just we need we're we're like a group animal and we need these group events. Uh, and it, it's we need our we need our churches. We need our sports. We need our our clubs, even our bars and our restaurants. And so with all this disappearing, people, I think, I, I won't even say I think, I know people are hungry, hungry for that human connection. Uh, and so it's been, it's been terrible. It's been terrible for the world. Uh, our somewhat by uh, luck, you know, we had set out to be a cure for the social isolation caused by people doing this with their phone by themselves for two hours a day. And so this uh, COVID and the enforced social isolation is definitely driving consumers and businesses to look for solutions. And we're, you know, we're in some ways 
the most prepared for this particular eventuality of like how do we gather in groups without without uh, getting in six within six feet of each other. So, yeah. And it's a I guess it's also a learning curve. It's it's a feel. Um, you have to try things more than yeah. obviously more than once before you're comfortable with it. Obviously, right. that's I guess that's with just adoption, tech adoption, adoption in general for any kind of platform. Right. Uh, but it's been a really hard, and it's not, and it, it wasn't something that, you know, this isn't something that, um, you know, anyone asked for. I mean, this was right. put up, put on us. So then now, um, you know, we're gonna have to find and get creative in ways to, to you know, create, create with one another, uh, impact each other. So it, it is really interesting. And it's, and you're seeing all, also as well, just different types of virtual event platforms and how those look and there's different ways to communicate with each other. Uh, even virtual. People, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I don't like, maybe I don't love that we're desperate, but, but yeah, people are, they, there's, yeah, people are really looking hard for solutions uh, and trying everything out. And some of them, yeah, there's nothing that people love. As as popular as Zoom is, I hear so many people going like, "Oh, it drives me bonkers." Um, why is so, that? What have, why have you heard? Um, so, I, I I you know, I'm a, I'm by training a phys engineer, and I, I'm, which it's kind of a weird way of looking at the world. So I keep you know quickly go to like how people's brains work, and so your brains are programmed to detect visual anomalies to keep you alive. Uh, and so anything that isn't quite right, you get, you get hypersensitive to. So if you're talking to somebody and they're not looking you, looking at you, you get kind of freaked out, which happens like always in zoom because people don't stare into their cameras. If you're talking to somebody who's got this weird lighting, you know, they're, sh they're shadowed wrong. If there's glitches in the video, if there's glitches in the background, um, the frame rate is off. So it's every, it's like zoom is like a continuous slight visual analogy, uh, a visual anomaly. And then if our brains aren't used to looking at one, at four scenes or eight scenes or 25 scenes at once. And so if, you, if you're presented with these panels, it's like you're searching. <laughs> it's like you're out in this like scary place and you're trying to figure out what to look at and you can never figure it out. So it's, it's just so much cognitive load uh, to turn a Zoom into something normal. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think the, the 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 way that works is the way you do it on your show, Chris, and other streamers. It's like there's, um, you know, the real there. It's a really good quality stream. It's got good lighting, good cameras. You you know, mm -hmm. um, in the case of game streaming, um, the game looks perfect. The streamer is sort of tucked in the corner, so it's not kind of driving you crazy. And that 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 sort of game streaming experience, I think, is is about as good as it can possibly be for virtual and the zoom thing is nothing like it um we're for hero we're closer to the game stream experience uh, ex uh or more specifically we're closer to the dark theater experience which is 100 percent attention on the screen no glitches no anomalies no worrying about the camera <laughs> no worrying about uh, no no needing to hold the device in a certain place for 10 minutes or 40 minutes no need to only work on the laptop um, and so it's just a very comfortable, pleasant, you know, fun thing as opposed to like the, the, ch the chore of Zoom. Mm -hmm. I, had, I had a last question on this, uh, on scalability mm -hmm. on, on, the, on the VIP rooms, as, as you call them, um, in Hero, on Hero Live. So what does that scalability look like? How many can be in a room? How many right. in this particular event can you section off and things like that? 
Right. So uh, our model is a, either a theater box or a stadium box. Stadium theater box will hold about eight. A stadium box will probably hold like 30, 40. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go to a stadium box, you'll see that it actually isn't one conversation. It's like it's actually usually like four rows of seats. So you get you know four or five conversations. Our boxes are maxed out at 25, which we think is plenty. Um, and yeah, you can, but it's nice. You can, you can have, everybody can have their own box. You can invite your friends to it. If it gets too big, your friends can split off and have their own box. You can recombine whatever. And so then, infinitely scalable. Uh, well, an engineer would never use that word, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we're right now we think we can handle a thousand boxes and with a little bit of time and money, we want to be able to go to, you know, 10 times that and then 10 times that there, there are, you know, uh, my my local team, the Warriors, would get uh, one when they were when they were good. <laughs> we'd get like two million <laughs> people. Watching. Window. Y'all been spoiled. Y'all been spoiled. Uh, we were, they were good. <laughs> they would get two million people watching them, and we would like to be able to. Uh, our theory is in five or ten years, half the people will watch socially instead of solitaire, and so we we would like to be able to support you know a half million a million people watching, uh, and of course there's even bigger events uh, like, you know, the finals or. Something that's ten million people. Uh, the, the, uh, yeah, so we we want to be able to go big. Uh, and uh, what I'm really saying is, the people we want to work with want to be able to go big. And so we want to be able to support them. Uh, and therefore, we'll we'll grow as time and money uh, permit. Yeah, and go back to these leagues. They want to give access to people to watch their product. I mean, right. I it sounds simple, but I mean, I think that's the way they look at it. I mean, especially when it's on the forefront right now as to how it's being consumed or well, not being consumed now, but how it will be consumed, uh, assuming it's going to be coming back here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and there's a bit, there's some magic that happens when you get a thousand people together. You start, um, mm-hmm. yeah. My 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 experience, hopefully, kind of funny, is like middle middle school basketball. And you go to a, a game with like ten parents, and it's kind of lame because ten <laughs> parents can't do it. But you go to a, you go to a game with like two hundred kids and uh, and hundred parents, and it's rocking. I mean, people are screaming and shouting. It's awesome. So mm-hmm. it doesn't take a, you don't need a million people to create that. It's it's what in TV is a studio audience. Get a couple hundred people together, make them all live, and suddenly you've got this lovely uh, layer that uh, this liveness and excitement that was otherwise missing. So that's, that's sort of the minimum, that's where we're starting from that sort of minimum a thousand, 2000 people. And now, you, now it's live and it feels live and it sounds live. And, and if you're one of those people, it, it, you know, for all you can tell it's live. I mean, <laughs> right. And, and like you said, those are interesting points. Like when I, cause I've been to a few saints games, me and my wife are big saints fans. And it's, it's I'm, I'm really engaging with, you know, a hundred plus people. Well, not really like you're saying like the proximity wise you know, around, you know, high five in what, 10, 15. I don't know. Just like, that's yeah, the, yeah. I see what you're trying to recreate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a big blob of 10,000 people. It's the, mm-hmm. it's your left. It's a person to your left and right. And maybe uh, the person in front it's, mm-hmm. Yeah, people are people. So you you know you put you go to dinner with twelve people, it breaks into two conversations. You go to dinner with four people, it's one conversation. At eight, at eight people, maybe it's one or two. So that's you know we can um, because we're electronic, we can kind of try all th- sorts of things out and find what the sort of optimal number is and give you that. I, I'm pretty sure it's not zero though. <laughs> that's that's today <laughs> zero. You want to watch by yourself? You can watch. There's five thousand channels. You want to watch with somebody else? Zero channels. Hmm. Seems like something's missing there. <laughs> right. Well, I'm gonna take a minute. I just want to say hi to a couple people. Uh, Sid Want, what's going on? David Asaf. These are on LinkedIn. Uh, Magnus, thanks for jumping in. 
uh, Justin, thanks for jumping in earlier. Uh, Wynette, for, for people that want to get connected to you and learn more about Hero Live, uh, how can they do that? What are some uh, platforms to get connected with you on? So I'm, I'm very visible on LinkedIn. And uh, though I would definitely recommend name dropping Chris and the level of experience because uh, otherwise I might think you're trying to sell me <laughs> some uh, IT consulting services, which I don't need this year. That never year. happens. That never happens. Yeah. Maybe next year. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn is great. Just to let me know who, where you're coming from. We're on Republic. Um, yeah, Republic is uh, by law a open, globally open forum. So go there, take a look. If you got questions, post them. I've answered, I think, 300 questions on Republic, or at least it feels like. Yeah, that. they have a forum. That's really cool. If you haven't yeah. seen, it's Republic.co, correct? Yeah, That's Republic.co. And, and uh, yeah, and then there's tons. It's, uh, there's a scary amount of information about Republic. I know my my competitors can all read everything. It's like. Well, if I want to raise money and let the SEC approve it, I gotta, I gotta disclose. So it's kind of like being a mini public company. So that's that's a really good place to learn all sorts of stuff uh, beyond this lovely conversation today. So yeah, so and also if you're just interested, just in startups in general and learning, it's got some terms. She, it's got terms and everything yeah. else with a convertible. If it's a convertible, no, blah blah, and all yeah. that stuff, and and cap valuation caps, everything else. Yeah. People are just kind of learning that. I think it's interesting. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, they, they do a good, good job packaging and all that. Well, I really appreciate your time, Ned. Uh, thanks for sharing your experience in the, in the, in the gaming industry uh, and all the experience you've been through and then kind of what you're doing now with Hero. Uh, I wish you guys luck. Really Thank appreciate it. Uh, luck, is, is, if, uh, luck is the number one requirement for all entrepreneurial activities. <laughs> if you, uh, so thank you. I will take it, take it all. Okay. Yeah, really Really appreciate it. And then uh, this will be a podcast. Uh, we'll have a lot of different links uh, on the YouTube replay about just how to get connected uh, with Ned and then uh, on, on and get connected to Hero Live as well. So uh, we'll see you around. We'll have you back on. Dwight's been on a few times as well. Uh, Dwight's on the Hero team. So we'll have you guys on here shortly. Oh, thanks so much, Chris. It was a pleasure. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Okay. See you later.